It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted Podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter. I'm here with Tyler Bowe. What's going on, you guys? CB Gold is in Vegas right now. He's going to the fights. Lucky that dude. Um, I want to thank our sponsor, Tip a Fighter. Listen, we got to get fighters paid more money, okay? They work their asses off, the men, the women. They, they go out there. They put on amazing shows. They entertain the hell out of us. And a lot of them are not getting paid as much as... They would like to. So, uh, you know, well, now we can tip them. We can tip a fight. I did a show last uh, Tuesday at the Dime Bar. A guy listened to our podcast, came up to me, gave me 40 bucks. And I was just like, hell yeah, it was an extra 40 bucks. Nice. I felt pretty good after my set. I was like, you know what? I, I'll, I'll take a tip. Why not? So I'm sure fighters is the same way. Um, so now you can tip them at tipafighter.com. This week, Al Jermaine Sterling is fighting uh, Brian Caraway. Should be a great fight. Uh, so you can tip. Aljamain Sterling. Uh, he's with Tip a Fighter. Uh, if you like the way Bubba Jenkins fights, tip Bubba. So tipafighter.com. You tip all kinds of people. You tip cab drivers. You tip waitresses. You tip valets. Might as well tip fighters. They're providing a, a great service. Um, things are going well. I had a gig last night in San Diego. That was pretty awesome. I headlined the, Mad, the Madhouse Comedy Club. And uh, all these fighters came and supported. I uh, saw that. Yeah, Angie Hill came, and Tiffany Timebomb, and Christine Stanley, and Paula, and Jessica Penny. All these hot chick badass fighters. Which yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I was actually. It was a good show. It was one of those shows. There was a guy in the crowd who I think might have been a little slow. Um, uh, and I asked him. I was like, "Hey, man." So he was like, "I said something to him," and he's like, "Hey, man, you're really funny." Like during my show, I'm like, oh, thanks, man. He goes, you you remind me of my cousin. I was like, all right, thanks. That's a very strange. And then, so then I I kept talking to the whole crowd. And then uh, there were some other people that were super nice. There was an Asian girl right from China, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing in the U.S.? She's like, I'm here to study pole dancing. I want to be a pro pole dancer. I was like, of course. So that was like, you know, a plethora of jokes. She realized that she wanted to go pro. Yeah, she wants to be a pro pole dancer. And then it's uh, hard on that amateur circuit, but once you go pro, it's <laughs> it's worth it. You can tip a pole dancer now uh, for all the. So then and then there was then there was this guy though was like. There was I, I was doing a joke about porn and some guy yells out, "Stop talking about porn!" I'm um, like, as if now audiences can now tell comics what they're allowed to talk to. Yeah. So then he was he, then I, I was like I ignored him. I made one joke and went back because I was having a good set. It's one thing when you're kind of struggling and someone yells shit out, but yeah, I don't want it. There was about 200 people there, and I don't want to sacrifice everyone else's good time for one person's dumb. So then he goes, "You better need security." Uh, I mean, he's like, you better have security after the set. And I was like, I do. I have five MMA fighter badass chicks in the back. And they're like, woo! Nice. Um, that's what I do. I travel with five girls. And at the end, we do reverse bukkakis, uh, uh. which was... <laughs> I'm like I just get in the middle and they squirt it was like and it was I don't even know if they even know what that meant but the crowd was the guys were dying laughing there were a couple of marines there they were they were having a great time it I'm, was, I'm sure there was a few people that knew what you were talking about <laughs> but it was uh, it was a fun show it was great seeing those chicks uh, 
it was a blast. I had a blast. Uh, I, I I love supporting the female fighters, and then when they come and support me, it's pretty damn awesome. Uh, Angie's the champ now. Jessica's fighting. We're gonna go to that fight. I'm still working on tickets, but we're gonna go. Let's do Jesse's it. Jesse's fighting in uh, in L.A. Uh, at the UFC 199. Uh, yeah. And uh, and Paulina, she just fought for Combate America. And Christine Stanley wants to fight Andrea Lee. This girl, Christina, she hits hard. She beat this girl, Shannon Sin. It was cool. It was it was a cool like. And Tiffany Timebomb is smoking hot. She's a fucking smoke show. Cool ass fighter. She's going into MMA. She's fighting in Invicta, and she's the nice. K. She's the um the kickboxing champion. So it was really cool seeing her too. It was just I, I like it. It's just it's funny though. Like it's funny when people say that like. Whatever. Um, but it was in the beginning, people were like, you're so bad for women's MMA. I'm like, really? Like, they're the ones supporting me the most. They're the ones who are coming yeah. on the. I think our podcasts have more female fighters than anybody. Yeah, probably. I mean, right? I mean, we're the ones supporting all the chicks uh, and all the females and the badass female fighters. I mean, give me a break. It's, so fu- it's just funny sometimes that people think that you could only, you could only promote something one way. Yeah. You know, I have Shannon Knapp, the head of Invicta saying hey we got a fight card coming up can you promote some of my girls of course i can she's like you're the best she gives me tickets to the, all the events it's funny because sometimes you, you don't have to go there's unconventional ways of getting things done and yeah. for me you know i love making people laugh i love doing the podcast but also love i love supporting female fighters but i do it in a way where it's entertaining through comedy it doesn't necessarily have to be an interview where it's just the straight standard. How'd you get into fighting? What makes you fight? What was it like your first fight? Uh, what are you? How's your training camp going? I mean, those questions are fine to ask, but there are other ways that you can get people interested in things too. Yeah, well, that's that's a good way to get to know about the fighter. But I think you, the way that we interview and and have guests on, is a good way to get to know the person. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how fans. I think how. You know, you appreciate the fighting style in the cage, but you really get behind a, a fighter when you get to know them a little bit and you see their personality and you kind of get to know who they are as a person. Like, I mean, I have there's tons of fighters out there that I respect their skill, but like the the guys and the and the girls that I really get behind are the ones that I I think are cool people. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, all right, I'm gonna get off my soapbox for a second. Um, we got a big fight that was announced today, Jake Ellenberger. The former co-host of the MMA Roasted Podcast, uh, a dear friend of mine, is fighting Matt Brown, the immortal. Yeah. This, wow. this is going to be a good fight, UFC 201. You know, I think it's a good fight for Jake. I do. Um, you know, some people are already writing off Jake Ellenberger. They're saying, oh, Jake's going to die, this and that. First of all, Jake Ellenberger hits hard. Hits really hard. He's got great wrestling when he uses it. Matt Brown, it seems like the one thing that he, uh, his Achilles heel has been wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, Damian Maya kept taking him down. Uh, Jay, Johnny Hendricks kept taking him down. I, I think this is a winnable fight for Jake. Um, Jake Ellenberger, I mean, we're forgetting about Jake Ellenberger. Uh, and I'm not, but he's the guy that knocked out Jake Shields in, in 30 seconds. He's the guy that knocked out Nate Marquardt. He's, he's a beast of a man. Uh, yet, granted, his last couple fights have not gone his way. Uh, he's also fought Robbie Lawler. Uh, the Kelvin Gastelum, I think, was a brain fart. The Stephen Thompson was terrible game planning, you know, uh, but also a very, very hard guy to fight in Stephen Thompson. And Tarek Safferdine, he had Tarek hurt. He yeah. didn't capitalize it. Uh, he also had Thompson hurt, didn't capitalize on it. Um, I think Jake, if the, best, if the best Jake Ellenberger shows up, he can win this fight. Uh, that being said, if the Jake Ellenberger that showed up in his last couple fights goes up against Matt Brown, it's not good. No bueno. 
No, he's he's got to come out. Both these guys have their work cut out for them. This is a it's a huge fight, I think, for both of them because Matt's coming off a loss with Maya, and he just got smothered by Maya. And 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 Jake needs to have a decisive win. But I, I think this fire this this fight has fireworks all over it. I think I both too. these guys are going to come out slugging because they want to win, and they want to win in like it's also, a big I think way. This is, Jake can't get cut here. I mean, if Jake loses, it's it's going to be rough for him yeah. to to make a case for him and why he's still be in the UFC or he'd still be fighting. So this is a do or die for Jake. He's a young guy. He's 31 years old, uh, and hopefully this is the this is the fight. You know, I know I know he's been training. He says camp's going really good. He's no longer with Edmund, so that's a hundred points right there in his direction. And uh, I'm excited for this fight. I'm also excited for the Stipe Miocic All Star Overeem fight that got announced. Yeah, um, I think I got Stipe all day long. Yeah, uh, Overeem, you know, is a problem for any heavyweight, not just Stipe. But I think Stipe's got this. I think Overeem. You know, he got busted for steroids, and I still think that mentally he is not as strong as Stipe Miocic. Yeah. Uh, without the juice, without this, without that. I know he beat Dos Santos. Uh, I know that he, um, over him, he won his last fight against, uh, who did he beat? Uh, he just fought Ar- uh, Arlovsky. Arlovsky. Uh, he wasn't looking great during that fight. Caught him, but wasn't looking great. And uh, I think Stipe wins this fight. I think Stipe wants that title. He has the title. Is not going to lose it, and I just I like Stipe. Yeah, it's it's nice to see a like a quick turnaround to in a heavyweight fight because some of these the fights have been so drawn out. So I mean, I hope they both stay healthy with their training camp and this fight goes down as planned. But yeah, um, I think Stipe takes it. I you know I picked against him on the last fight against Verdum just because I I thought it was going to be a little bit too much for him to handle, and I thought Verdum was a little bit uh, more crafty. But man, he certainly caught him and he looked phenomenal. So I think Stipe's got the advantage in boxing and wrestling. On the ground, I don't know about Overeem's ground, Overeem's ground game. I don't think it's that great, uh, but I think Stipe's probably better on the ground overall. In kicking, you got to give it to Overeem. He he was a K one champion, yeah. uh, but you know, he, and he could always win with that that those fucking kicks to the to the to the side. I mean, look, buckled Brock, look how big Brock was. Yeah, but that was not the same Brock Lesnar that fought Mir too. That was like anti. It was that was like diverticulitis Brock Lesnar who. Was found Jesus, and it was reminded me of like Joe Boo in Major League Two when he just didn't have that fire that he had in him in, uh, in uh, whatever. So, um, yeah, so that's good. Uh, so BJ Penn, since our podcast on Monday, he failed a test, but he failed an IV test. So he was taking IVs, and you know what? Come on, I, I understand you're taking steroids. You're out. You got too much TRT in you, testosterone. You're out. IVs? Really? Come on. Also, I understand the IV ban for the sake of weight cutting and rehydrating for uh, pre-fight, but this is how far out is he was? Uh, Two weeks, three weeks out. Yeah, still a couple weeks out from a fight. Um, and so he claimed he didn't know that you couldn't use IVs uh, year round, and yeah. I, I would, I, I didn't know that as well because I didn't know it either. And you know what? I don't even. I'm not even sure if I think diuretics should be even banned, to be honest, I like to lose weight. I understand that, like, you know, they could be used as masking for steroids and stuff like that. So I guess you have to ban them. But I just don't put a weight-cutting pill that you're taking to lose weight on the same level as something you're taking to take steroids. I, I, I don't see it. And people go, well, drug is a drug. No, it's not. Marijuana is not the same as heroin. It's not the same as crack. Uh, it's not the same. 
And to give someone a year ban because they're taking a pill to lose water weight to make a weight class is not the same as taking, you know, HGH. Yeah. To, no, to absolutely. Give yourself an advantage. Did, you know? Did he get popped for diuretics no, or just the IV? Okay. He didn't. But even yeah. IV, I put it even less than that. Yeah. I don't yeah. even put the IV on the diuretic scale. What are we doing here, people? I just, I, I wonder why, like, why you use an IV just like on a regular training day, like just to rehydrate or? Uh, probably to rehydrate. It's probably a bad weight cut for him. I think he's cutting to 45, right? What is he cutting to? Uh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's, be... he's a guy that goes up and down. He's up and weight. I don't think he should be fighting anyway. He yeah. doesn't want to fight in six years. Yeah. To be honest, I don't, I think I like BJ Penn. I want to remember BJ Penn as the guy that beat Sean Shirk, the guy that beat Matt Hughes, the guy that, you know, fought GSP twice in those, in those fights. That's the BJ Penn that I want to remember. I don't want to. I was at the BJ Penn Frankie Edgar fight, and it was painful to watch. Yeah, it was dis- it was disturbing, and it was not fun. And you're like, come on, it's not good. It's like seeing a a chick. It's like looking at Nicole Eggert now. Oh. Have you seen Nicole Eggert? Uh, I think I I've seen pictures. <sighs> Have you of seen her, her, her while blown ago. away back in the day and her her Charles in Charge days? I mean, I was uh, the same age as her, so it wasn't pedophilia. It was, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying Nicole Eggert and Baywatch. Yeah. Was fucking, I mean, she was one of the all-time greats. She was America's sweetheart. Unbelievable. And now she works a food truck. Uh, she has a food truck business, and she looks like she ate all the food. And, and would I still hit it? Maybe. <laughs> but I would have to have Baywatch on in the corner so that I could be watching Baywatch while sleeping with her. By the way, I have a girlfriend now. So, of course, I have a girlfriend, and I'm totally you know, loyal. And of course the Asian porn star from China goes up to me and goes, what are you doing later? You're very handsome. I'm like, thank you. You're very sweet. But, and that never happens when I'm single. I never get the girl from China who wants to be a pole dancer <laughs> coming up to me, but you're being like, tested. Of course I'm being tested. But my girl, I've had, I had one girl that was like sending me Snapchat pictures. Like, like, and I'm like, I, I go, listen, I have a girlfriend. Please stop sending me this. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't, I don't even want my phone out. And then my girlfriend even seeing that shit. Yeah. Plus, it's like, I don't get off on naked pictures from girls directly. Maybe I'm spoiled, but a girl sends me a, like a pic of her and her tits or something. I'll look at it. I'm not, I'm a man, but it's not like I'm going to go jerk off to that fucking shot, you know? What's, uh, so what's, you, you need videos. You need, uh, I, don't, I need the actual person. You need the actual I person. I mean, there you go. If, if we're Skyping, I could sort of doing it because it's an actual person, but I'm not into like, oh, a boob shot. Ooh, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I'll look. It's how hot. how far back in your life would you have to think to to the point where you could just use your imagination to like get off? Well, I stopped watching porn, and, and like the last, I haven't watched porn in like two months. Uh, my therapist said that it's I mean, maybe you just quit watching porn. Yeah. So it wasn't a huge problem. I wasn't like watching porn. I was doing it like twice a week, you know, to, and nothing that was crazy. But she was like, you know what, maybe you know. So I, I'm no longer watching porn at all. I haven't even masturbated in like. But I've, I think I jerked off once in the past two months. I just, I'm just, I don't know. I'm saving it for the girl. There you go. You know, she does it for me. That's good, man. Yeah. You? Team player. You, you, you still watch porn. You're a freak. Occasionally. Yes. It's funny. Everyone I know who's like a straight edge guy who is like all about like, they're always the biggest freaks that I know. I'm not the biggest freak that you know. Uh, you're up there, man. You're <laughs> a complete, complete freak. Uh, so Nate Diaz. Uh, Dana White went to go visit Nate Diaz in Stockton. And uh, then, you know, he said, I've been in better places or something. And it got blown out to like, the, it went cra- It was a terrible Hating deal. Hating on Stockton. Yeah. But I guess after hearing Nate talk, 
Look, Nate Diaz just wants the same amount of money, if not more, than McGregor, and he should have got that. Yeah. Uh, he won. I think in the rematch, the winner should get more than the loser. I don't care if the loser is a draw. The winner should get more. It's just, that's my opinion. And give Nate what he wants. I mean, yeah. Nate Diaz has brings so many fans into it. He's, I think he had a huge fan base going into that fight, and that certainly elevated him um, to, to beat McGregor. And I, I know... You know, I know that McGregor's huge. He's a huge draw. He did a lot to to propel the sport forward and the the company forward and all that. So I I don't think that he doesn't deserve the money that he's getting. But I think absolutely uh, Nate deserves. And plus, look at all the years that Nate's put in for the company, and he's been fighting the best of the best for years and years. And he and he and he keeps bringing this up. You know? Yeah. I mean, look, give him a payday. Is Conor McGregor bringing more fans than Nate Diaz? Yes. I mean, he brings the whole country, you know, Nate doesn't yeah. bring, but, you know, I, I yeah, I, I think he does. He brings some more fans. More people, people come up to me, they go, hey man, who's that Irish guy? They're not saying who's that Stockton dude, you know? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, does Nate deserve more money? It's a lot about, like to me, I'm more about what guys deserve. Yeah. And, you know, Nate, Nate has fought better guys. He has beaten better guys. He has, I mean, he did, uh, he did beat Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, he did beat, um, you know, Melvin Galaro and Melvin was at the top. Well, you know, he, he did win the Ultimate Fighter. He did. He has fought, you know, he fought the, um, the Roy McDonald's of the world. I mean, he fought a lot of guys. You know, he's, he's lost some fights. He lost Dos Anjos, but he, he fought better guys. You know, the best guy on Conor's resume was Chad Mendez, but that wasn't a healthy 100% Chad Mendez. That was a two-week Chad Mendez. Uh, Conor did knock out Poirier. Aldo. He did knock out Aldo. Yeah, maybe you can make the argument that Aldo... Yeah, maybe you're right. Okay, fine. He did beat Aldo in eight seconds. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, Nate's been around longer, and Nate won. The If Nate lost, we're not having this conversation. Yeah. But Nate won, and Nate mm. beat the draw. So, and by the way, this whole Conor McGregor Mayweather thing, who wants this? I don't know anybody except for hardcore boxing purists that want to be like, see... Boxing's better than the UFC or like whatever that want this fight. There's not one MMA fan that I know that wants to see this fight. Will, will they watch it? Yes. Uh, should Connor take it? Hey, look, for $50 million, if they really are offering him $50 million to fight Mayweather, I say do it. $50 million? In what, a boxing match a boxing or an match. MMA match? A boxing match. Um, will, he, will he lose? Yes. Yeah. But you know what? He lost to the best fighter in the world. At that guy's sport. At the best boxer in the world. So it's like, Connor's pretty smart. It's like he fights Nate Diaz. He goes, yeah, I lost, but I went up to 170. I didn't lose to a guy my weight. I, you know, I kind of uh, object a little bit to that argument because uh, he did go, they did hold the fight at 170. But you got to look at that as Nate fights at 155. So I look at Nate as a 155 pounder. And of course he walks around at more than that, but so does McGregor. So he went up and wait for sure, but I don't look I'm at not that. Say, I'm yeah. not saying, I, I totally agree with you. I'm yeah. saying what Con, what's going on in Connor's mind. I was at that fight. After Connor lost that fight, he said, hey man, I, I just can't fight these guys. They're, they're just too big for me. And then, so he gave himself an out. Yeah. And then he signed it again. Because in, I think in his mind, it's like, okay, it's like me hitting on, you know, a Victoria's Secret model. When I was in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, doing for a comedy for the military, there were, I was there with a couple of uh, comedians and there were three Victoria's Secret models there. Adriana Lima, Salida Eubanks, and Marissa Miller. 
And of course I hit on them. Okay? <laughs> because if I if I end up getting dissed, I got dissed by Adriana Lima. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. get a And you know what? They they were still charmed by me because I was going with the balls enough to hit on them. And I think Connor has that same mentality of like, yeah, I got rejected, but I got re- or I lost, but I lost to Nate Diaz in his weight class. Yeah. Yeah, I lost to Mayweather, but I lost to Mayweather in boxing. And now I'm $50 million richer. So I do think that he has that mentality. It's like if I do a roast battle, right? If I do a, I'm not going to go against somebody who's works at the comedy store who could make a name off beating me. But if I go against Joe Rogan, I'll go against Joe Rogan in a roast battle. I lose to Joe Rogan. Yeah, or Jeff Ross. Or... Jeff Ross. I lose to Jeff Ross. Okay, ooh, I lost Jeff Ross and Joe Rogan. Yeah. You know, I lost to Doug Stanhope. Oh, you know, yeah, you, you know, th- those are the guys that I would go against because it, to me, it's it's not really losing. Now, granted, people watching it go, yeah, you got your ass kicked by Jeff Ross, or you got your ass kicked by Joe Rogan, or you got your ass kicked by Mayweather. But in his head, yeah, he's like, fuck it, you know? And I understand where he's coming from. By the way, that Guantanamo Cuba thing, it got even funnier, that story. So- we had to stay an extra day because we, we go to Cuba, perform for the troops. It was me, Rodney Perry, Nima Williams, uh, Frank, Frank Nicotero. We did a show for the troops, military, right? And, uh, and then we got banned from talking to the models because <laughs> Nima Williams went up to Selena Eubanks. What happened was all these girls were, all, all these guys were uh, online to talk to, uh, take a picture with the, the supermodels. So yeah. I go, uh, Marissa, can I take a picture with you? She goes, sure. So I gave her my camera and I had her take a picture of me and my friend. And she yeah, laughed yeah, yeah. and she's like, hi, yeah. then I took a picture of her. Everyone had a good time. And, and then the girls were like, oh, I want to come to your show. And then Nima talks to Selena and he's like, yo, can I take a picture with you? Does my thing. The same joke I did. And then he goes, I'm going to cut out the mouth later and fuck it. And then she, oh. she got pissed. So we weren't allowed to talk to him anymore. Yeah. But we stayed an extra day. So we go to visit the prisoners, right? They took us to the actual jails of where the Guantanamo Bay prisoners were at. And... There were like soccer fields where they play soccer. They were trying to make it seem like it was right after that whole bus thing of like torturing went down. So they're yeah. like, oh, they have it so great. They get, uh, they get meds. They get three meals. They show us this flat screen. They love to watch the, the uh, deadliest catch. They started telling us how great the prisoners had it, right? And it was funny because we actually went in one of their cells. They weren't there. But Nima, who's been to jail before, was like, man, I was in prison. My cell, well, this is bigger than my cell, right? So... While they're telling us how great they have it, I'm like, I should move in here. And the guy's like, they don't have it that great. There's a guy, uh, one of the prisoners is on the window, banging on the window, like, help, help, just fucking going crazy. And I'm like, yeah, that guy doesn't look too happy. Yeah. So they're giving us that tour while there's a guy in the corner screaming help. But they had lawyers with them. They actually had American lawyers representing them in Guantanamo Bay. It was What a fucking crazy thing that was. Jeez. And then driving around Cuba, right? There are these huge iguanas, mm-hmm. like humongous, not like little iguanas, like, I don't know, three, like four foot iguanas. And they're endangered species. So they're, they're always walking across the street and you're not allowed to hit them with your car. Not that you'd want to. <laughs> yeah. But like they'll hold up traffic for like an hour, an hour and a half because, pe- because you can't, some of the roads are real thing and you can't yeah. hit them. It was pretty funny. It was like, imagine being late to work because a fucking iguana takes a nap in the middle of the street. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that iguana, that rush hour iguana traffic. <laughs> it was crazy. So, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm excited for this weekend. I got a show in uh, Tonopa, in this mining town yeah. in, in Nevada. It's two hours north of Vegas, and it's the World Arm Wrestling Championship in the town. And I'm going there. I guess the whole town's coming, and it's a big, big door deal. 
But then it's like, I'm thinking about going to Vegas afterwards on the way back. It's Sunday night. Wait, so it's the the ta- everybody in the town arm wrestles or the, it's the world the arm wrestling, wrestling, wrestling championship is held it takes there. place. It's held there that oh. weekend. But I was thinking about like after after the, the show, the show's over at like at 830, just going to Vegas and going to like an after party or something. Yeah. I should, right? Because uh, Cody's fighting. You know they're going to have an after party. Or yeah. Jessica I or Sarah McMahon. You get there by... What if you get to Vegas at ten thirty? That's yeah. That's just getting started in right? Vegas. I should do that. Yeah. It's that Memorial Day weekend. Absolutely, man. It just sucks having a girlfriend, though, man. It doesn't suck. I mean, is she going on the road with you? No, but it sucks. I'm not like those kind of trips. That it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, it's it's all good. It's, it's great having a girlfriend, <laughs> especially when it comes to Vegas trips on Memorial Day weekend. Um, have you? Uh, I'm not. By the way, so I'm not. I'm, I'm actually doing that show. I'm not doing the uh, high school reunion. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I saw that. That's awesome. You're going to do the, the Laugh Factory show with uh, yeah. Joe Rogan and... No, not Joe Rogan. Or, uh, Brian Callen. Brian Callen. David Spade. Dana White's going to be there, Dana right? White, Matt Sarah. Matt Sarah. Excited about that. That should be fun. That guy's hilarious. Uh, but it was cool. And then the Dime Bar was really great. Although, another thing where like a friend of mine came to my show and he's very loud and in every joke he tried to chime in and like tell me, oh, that one's good, or that's not, and I'm like, uh, and it's a buddy of mine who I invited. Yeah. So I was like, yo, John, I got this, you know. That's um, always the worst when people, like other comics are like, hey, dude, who, who, who's the people over at table, you know, that that table, and you're like, that's my family, oh, or that's so, my friends. You're it's just the like, worst. Oh. I mean, this my favorite way to deal with a heckler is the rope-a-dope strategy, where you, you know, a guy heckles you, and you, you, you give him a little back, like, oh, yeah, you know, all right, thank you, sir. What do you do? Make something, a light jab back. Yeah. And he thinks he won. Yeah. And then you go back to your set, make everyone laugh. And at the very end of the show, you just pile on him. Yeah. Just boom, 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 boom. Because he's not expecting it. Yeah. He thought he already got one off on you. And then you just fucking, you know, machine gun him with jokes. And then thank you. That's my time. That's my yeah. favorite way to deal with that. Guarantee you get the last word. Oh, always. Always. That's my favorite way. I usually use the uh, Roadhouse uh, Patrick Swayze technique where where, uh, I try to be nice as long as I can until it's time to not be nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then then just be mean. Sometimes I'll take a a survey. Like if I'm having a good set and somebody heckles me, I'll be like, who here likes my my set? And everyone's like, woo! Uh, who here doesn't? And the one guy, but usually he cheers on like on like team one. Yeah, I'm like you can't all of a sudden join team one. And yeah, and I'll be like, all right, sir, you've been rounded off. You know that kind of. Yeah. The problem is I've seen that happen before, where like no one actually cheers. I've, I've seen sometimes the heckler win with comedians. That's that's the worst. Ugh, that's dangerous. That's that's dangerous. You are kind of taking a risk there. Um, the worst though is also when someone's being like they're laughing too hard or they're being nice with their heckles. Because it's still fucking up your set of your flow. Yeah. They think they're helping. And then, or they'll say something. You'll say something back. You'll get a huge laugh. And they think they got the assist. Like, <laughs> like it was their. Yeah, partial credit. Yeah, it was their <laughs> heckle first that enabled you to come back and get the big laugh. And you're like, no. You, like, I mean, very rarely do I want that. Sometimes I don't care if people heckle if it's like, it was just one of those late night sets where everyone's kind of in a goofy mood and it's like, whatever. But. For the most part, it's like, come on. I love it when you're about to uh, do a show. Maybe you're standing at the bar or something like that in like a club that doesn't have a green room. And yeah. someone comes up and they know that you're a comic. And they're all, they'll be like, hey, don't fuck with me, man. Don't uh, fuck with me, all right? It's my birthday, but don't fuck with me. And then, then they're the ones that yell at you during the show. 
Always. Or they ask you to do jokes about them. Hey, man, yeah. it's my birthday. Can you make jokes about me? No, dude, I, I can't. Then you feel like a dick for saying no. Yeah. But I'm just like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll like see what I can do. But like Steve Hofstetter, who was my first roommate, he made a like, he has millions and millions and millions of hits off hecklers. And, and I watched that and I'm like, fuck, man. You know how many fucking millions of hits I could have had right now if I would have recorded every set? And then I start beating myself up. Like, it's never enough. Like, I'll have a set, and if I kill, I'm like, yeah, it went great, but I didn't record it. Like, yeah. it's gone. You know, it's gone for good. I kind of miss the the old days in some ways of comedy, like, how they were in, like, the 90s or even the 80s, where, like, you do a set, you don't have to worry about YouTube or viral or, like, even that, and, you know, you just do your set. And that, and if you're funny, you're funny. It's based on reputation, and maybe you get on TV, and then, but... Now it's like, I remember back when I started, you had to mail cassette, you had to mail tapes, yeah. VHS tapes to the club. And then you had to call them up and be like, hey, every week, hey, did you watch my tape? Did you watch my tape? Did you watch my, you know, you had, now it's like send a link. Yeah. It's just a link. Which is even more frustrating when somebody won't take the time to watch a link. You're like. At the same time, book, <laughs> you booking the dime bar though. Click on it. Same time, booking the dime bar is hard because. I just book guys who I know are funny, yeah. friends of mine, but I've had comics send me links and I'm like, I don't want to watch your fucking link. Number one, I don't want to be the person to say, no, you're not funny enough to do my bar gig. Yeah. You know, at the same time, I'm not going to watch this because I know you're not going to do this set anyway. Yeah. And number two, it's like, who the fuck am I to judge you? I'm in a tight situation. If I don't know somebody, I'll, I'll be like, hey, is there anyone that you could tell me that can give you a recommendation or something, you know? And then I'll give them up on that. But it's it's hard. It's hard booking this room in some ways because I don't want to say no to people. I still have that that problem where I want to be liked by everyone, which is a shitty way to go through life, you know? Yeah, you don't want to compromise the quality of your show, though. So it's, I mean, but recommendations is a good way to, to book. It, it, assuming that the comics that are giving you recommendations, that you trust them and that they're not like, they're not just recommending their friend because they're their friend. Yeah. You know? Cause I, dude, I recommended somebody one time for, um, for a show, and I got burned, man. It was like a favor of a favor for a friend. He was like, "Hey, man, can you put this kid on for a guest set?" I was headlining the club. I seen the kid do one set before, and he did well. And this is why I never judge a comic off of one set because everyone you might you might have seen the set of their life, or you might have seen the worst set of their life where mm. they just ate it and they had a bad night. So I hate to judge anybody off of one set, but anyway, I recommended this kid. He bombed. He was so filthy dirty. He walked people. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe. Like I put my word out for this kid and he I, I hate when bad. I have like when I have like a big name come into the dime and like you know, they'll be like, Hey, can you put me up right away? Which I want to do because but then I'll I'll know who's following them. And I'll be like, uh, I don't want that person to have to follow this person, especially if I'm like if I know it's a newer comic. So I'll be like, all right, I'll put one more before you. And then that person walks people. And I'm like, ah, fuck. So now the guy that I was trying to, you know, that's, ugh. What are you going to do? You can't yeah. please everybody. All right. So we are calling Don Fry uh, for the third straight podcast. Hello. Hey, Don Fry. How's it going? It's Adam Hunter. Good, you're on the MMA Roasted Podcast. Oh, I am. Yes, how's Holy everything? Balls. Good. So what's going on, brother? I'm over here at the VMW uh, with Ron Truck. Oh, and nice. a couple cameramen. Yeah, we're filming for Inside MMA for the 
Veterans Day, uh, Memorial Day special. Oh, that's awesome, man. So, yeah. What are you doing? Uh, just hanging out, man. I got this. I got a new show on Oxygen, and just just working hard, you know, being trying to be funny. Oxygen. Is that- is that a bitch channel? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a yeah, bitch channel, but uh, you know, some guys like it too. It's a it's a it's a pretty funny show. It's called Living with Funny, and uh, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> you make me laugh. Hell yeah! So what, what, what do you think of Tito Ortiz? What? what do you think of Tito wanting to fight Hoyce Gracie? Oh my god! <laughs> Never heard anything about that. <laughs> Yeah, he said he wants to fight Hoyce for his his, uh, his uh, last fight. Oh, good, good. I'm all for that. Has he had his first fight yet? <laughs> he also said uh, he also went to the Donald Trump rally. Are you are you are you voting for Trump? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Why, <laughs> Why are you voting for Trump? Because he's intelligent and he says it like it is, and uh, you know the guy doesn't have much tact, but he got balls the size of a cannonball, general church bills. You know you can trust him. You can't you can't trust Hillary. You can't trust the socialists. That we fought for socialism. Yeah. You know what the hell is wrong with these people? I agree with you that. Know, you want to earn your own way. But he doesn't believe. You want to earn your own way through life. You don't want somebody else paying for you. I agree, he, but he uh, doesn't believe in uh, climate change, though. That's the only thing, Trump. I don't either. <laughs> All right, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, how's everything going? You still, you still training? No, I got, uh, I got some problems in my own life right now, so you know, dealing with that crap. So, oh man, sorry to hear that. You know, yeah, a little busy, a little busy. Well, you are a legend, man. You're one of my favorite fighters, man. Your your fight with Tekiyama was one of the greatest fights I've ever seen in my life. It'll still go down as the best fight I've ever seen. So, uh, well, thanks, man. Thanks. No problem. So, so where? So, are you and John Cruck getting along? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Ron's probably a little boy, man. I think I've known Ron for like around a decade. You know, he's. Always a stand-up guy, street, you know, had never lied to me. Always uh, looks you in the eye when he talks to you, you know, he's, he's a good old boy. Yeah. Well, when, uh, what were your thoughts, by the way, on the Ken Shamrock-Hoist Gracie fight? You know, um, I just I just saw the 10-second the clip, you know, where uh, – I always need him up in the sternum, and he said, I need the balls and shit. I don't know. Jeez. I, I think uh, Ken's got so much testosterone. His, his uh, testicles probably the size of peanuts anyway, so it'll be a one in a million shot. <laughs> I agree with that. I heard, yeah, way. Now, uh, the fight coming up, UFC uh, 199. You like Uriah Faber or Dominic Cruz? Well, I like to ride favor, you know. Um as a little boy and uh yeah, we're, we're kinda of buddies and uh you know, Dominic uh, you know, shit, I got no use for him because uh you know my buddy uh my, my hands guy Rocco Ciotoli trained him, taught him how to box and uh he did an interview saying that he taught himself how to box in his garage. You know, so he didn't give credit where credit was due. 
So uh, have I had a use for him since he gave that bullshit interview? Yeah, that's bullshit, man. You always get credit with credits due. That, that's come on, give me a break. You're damn right. I mean, you're like the twentieth funniest guy I know. <laughs> hey, man, it's a compliment. The other, the other nineteen, the other nineteen are in the coma or dead. <laughs> oh, there you go. That makes me number one. Uh, now, you, who do you think wins? You think uh, you think Bisbing's got a shot against Luke Rockhold? No, no, I think uh, you know he hasn't had time to train. Um, you know, Luke's uh, at the top of his game right now. You know, the guy's solid. He doesn't have any holes in in his uh, game. So I think uh, it'll be a good victory for Luke. Um, you know, but uh, if if Bisbee had time to train, it might be a different story. Now, a fight that you know, was announced might, might be might be. Might be, actually, might be competitive, you know, but yeah. this one's going to be a solid win for him. Now, a fight that was announced this week was uh, Stipe Miocic versus All-Star Overeem. Who do you like in that fight? How much worse beat Overeem eats, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. How good the testing is. Uh, you know, Miocic, he's impressive. He, he shocked the world by knocking out Verdun. You know, I, I, I had never guessed it. It happens, and uh, he also they say a fighter becomes twenty five percent better once he wins the championship. So, um, how, how big is Alistair uh, right now, anyways? I mean, he's he's not as big as he used to. Do you think that once a guy takes steroids or TRT and then comes off it, how much mentally does that does that affect the fighter? Well, how the hell would I know? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm I'm sure you know guys that have taken stuff. That you know tried to fight mm-hmm. after that, you know. The only only guy I know who does illegal things is you, you know. So uh. <laughs> that's 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 very true. Now, uh, a guy that you fought, James Thompson, is fighting Kimbo Slice. Who wins that fight? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with James because you know James is pretty good, big old boy, strong. Um, if if he's in condition, he's going to win. You know, because Kimbo, I like Kimbo. I think he's a you know a hell of a guy. I met him about eight years ago, and really, really nice. It shocked the hell out of me. Nothing like I expected. And but I just don't think he's the last few fights. He hasn't looked good at all. Yeah. So you yeah. know, all, all James is going to do is just run a couple miles a day, and he'll be overall conditioning. Now, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree that he looked horrible against Dada. I mean, Kimbo looked fucking horrendous. Yeah, Dada that, was, that was the that was one of the worst best fights I've ever seen in my life. Um, that was painful. That was just painful. <laughs> yeah, the horrible. Now, do you think Cormier's got a shot against John Jones? No. Why? No. Uh, Jones just outclasses him on every aspect. Yeah, you know? my heart's with DC though. I want DC to win based on like who I think is a better person, a better role model, uh, a better champion. But John Jones might be the best fighter of all time. Uh, yeah, I mean, a better role model, better champion, better this that. I mean, that's all storybook fantasy bullshit. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter when it comes down to a fight. Who's a better fighter? Yeah, but don't you think that sometimes, like, these guys, like Mike Tyson, could have been one of the best fighters of all time, but all the extracurricular shit just got in the way of it? Oh, definitely, but it's called life. 
Yeah. You know, and, and uh, life threw you, uh, threw you a, a bad turn every now and then. It just depends on how tough you are as a brother. Yeah. You know, you straighten up the vehicle, you know. Now, by the way, so June 11th is the first bare-knuckle world championship boxing between Shannon the Cannon Rich and Bobby Gunn. Are you going to watch this fight? This is the first I've heard of. <laughs> yes, it's, it's bare-knuckle boxing in Miami. Shannon the Cannon Rich against Bobby Gunn, who's 72-0 in bare-knuckle boxing. Where is Bobby Gunn from? Uh, Bobby Gunn's from New Jersey. Yeah, uh, but how do we know he's 72 and 0? Uh, he says he's 72 and 0 in world in bare knuckle boxing. He actually, uh, he actually, as a real boxer, he fought the likes of James Tony, Enzo Macarini. He fought some really good guys. He lost every time he stepped up to that thing, but he was still a world champion. Shannon Gunn, his record is 55 and, and 103. Uh, but according to him, they didn't count 120 of his fights. Shannon Rich or Shannon Gunn? No, Shannon Rich. Shannon didn't, they didn't count 120 of Shannon's fights? Yeah, they, he said he's really 210 and 103, but they didn't count a lot of his fights because they took places in like hotel rooms and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Was he fighting the transvestite or what? <laughs> I don't know. He just, that's what's, uh, that's what's going on. So uh, the bare knuckle boxing championship. I, I I would assume that you would something. Would you be interested in fighting bare knuckle boxing? Sure, sure. I'll give it a go. Do you want the winner? Sure, sure. How much does gun weigh? Uh, guns, big boys, like two thirty, two forty. Oh, yes. There's there's a hundred thousand dollar wager on it right now. So the winner gets a hundred grand. Okay. Okay. All right. So I will I will tweet out that you want the winner. That's it, baby. Good way to tell that. I, uh, I usually fight for more than a hundred grand, but you know, if it's, I don't have to lace up the gloves. You know, I'll do it for a hundred. And how many bare knuckle? Now you were, but now you were a boxing champion, right? Weren't you a Golden Glove boxing champion? No, I, I did amateur boxing, then I did professional boxing, and I had eight professional boxing matches. But that was shit. That was, when the hell was that? 1989 or 90, something like that. Was quite a while, quite a long time ago. Yeah, but you're still in good shape, right? Oh, baby, I'm telling you, I can make a calendar right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don Fry, uh, thank you so much. Anytime a guest does not pick up, we're calling you. By the way, so if you hear answering machines, oh. that's 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 from us. So uh, I like the fat chick, you know, fat chick on dance night, right? Yeah, hell yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. fat chick on Saturday night can't get a dance, can't get a date, so you call her up. Right? <laughs> you're the fat chick, exactly. <laughs> Don Fry, you're a legend, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, that was that was Don Fry. Tyler, your thoughts? Oh, that guy's fantastic. <laughs> I think he should be Trump's running mate. <laughs> Tell <laughs> me, Trump Fry, you would I would have actually Donald, Donald Trump. I would rather fry Trump. But <laughs> Trump actually tweeted something recently that like he was like. 
They're making Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford? That's ridiculous. And they're making Ghostbusters with four, with four women? What What's going on, world? And that we're, lo- was, we're losing our country. And that was the only thing that I've ever agreed with so far. <laughs> I'm like, can I vote for a guy based on his thoughts on the Ghostbusters reboot and Indiana you Jones? You certainly can. There's a lot of one-issue voters out there. <laughs> and that could be where you draw the line in the sand. Seriously. So, so Trump has Tito and Fry. <laughs> on his cabinet. Yeah. Uh, so all right, we're going to call Tom Ryan, the, the coach at uh, Ohio State University. Uh, one of the, uh, i tell you about Tom. He gave me, the, my, he dragged me to wrestling camp when I was a kid. Yeah. He was Chris Weidman's wrestling coach. Uh, he, he taught um, uh, Gian Violante. He, 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 he's an amazing coach. Ohio State was a national championship. They won it. Um, Last year, we'll see if he actually picks up this time. We've been trying him three times in a row. Uh, we'll see if he picks up. If not, we're calling Don Fry back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that was actually going to pick up. Yeah, that was awesome. Hello? Hello, Tom Ryan. This is... Hey, this is Adam Hunter. I'm here with Tyler Bowe. You know me as Adam Greenberg. How are you, man? Hey, Adam. What's up? What's up, man? You're on the MMA Roasted Podcast. I finally got you. It took three weeks, but you know what? Uh, we got you. So, we did it. Yeah, how's everything going? You were in San Diego, right? Yeah, we're in San Diego uh, the whole week. Yesterday, we're up in L.A. Oh, nice. Um, day before that, down in Coronado. Yeah, it's been a nice trip, real nice trip. Oh, nice. What are you in town for? Just family vacation for a week. Mm. Nice. Now, Tom, I got to thank you. My wife was after the news yesterday. This, have you seen this guy, Vitaly, that... Uh, Climb the D in Hollywood? I did not see that. Yeah, it was a new story. We actually happened to run into the guy. We were coming down uh, from, a, from a trail walk up to the Hollywood side. On the way down, we ran into this guy. <laughs> 30 minutes later, he was arrested by the police for climbing the... He's a YouTube prankster, I guess. Oh, my God. He's climbing guys. the side. But it's been, a good, it's been a good couple of days for us. Good, good family time. Nice. So, no. Beautiful out here. Now, Tom, I want to thank you, man. Now, I used to go to your wrestling camp back at uh, at Hofstra, and uh, it was uh, it was it was pretty awesome camp. I used to go to your house first, and you would drive me to camp. Uh, I wrestled some great guys. I remember you, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it was awesome. And then, and because Chris Weidman does not believe me, so we're gonna set the record straight that I went to camp, and it was right when you first came to Hofstra as the coach, and you put yep. me, and you put me up against a couple of the Hofstra kids, and I took them down. As like a high school senior, and then you offered me a scholarship. I I, I went to the recruiting trip and stayed with Mike Quaglio. Ended up going to SUNY Binghamton, but did did you not offer me a scholarship to Hofstra? Uh, you know what? To be honest, Adam, I, I, if you say I did, I did. I, <laughs> I I probably did. I probably was impressed with your wrestling and thought. Uh, let's go. Nice. All right. So there you go, Chris Wyman. That was not a, uh, a total confirmation, but uh, it was it was somewhat of a confirmation. Now, Tom, uh, back to the, now. Let's talk about that you. Was twenty-two years ago, right? Yes, it was. It was about eight. It was about twenty-two years ago. Exactly. It's exactly what it was. And I, I stayed with Quaglio, and uh, it was it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. I like won the Newbridge tournament, and you were like, you were actually impressed by the fact that I won the Newbridge and yada yada yada. Newbridge, yeah. Uh, now, uh, so. Now, you yourself wrestled for Dan Gable, correct? Yes. Now, what was that like? Um, it was, uh, you know, I think, I think we all, you know, at the time, 
at the time I was just chasing a dream. Right. Uh, and I think the lesson learned from it is the, is the power in surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, not only, not only does that have an impact on your, on your current life, but it has an impact in long, long-term opportunities. And had I not done that, I'm not, I'm not sure that my coaching career uh, would be where it, it is now. So uh, it was a great, it was, it was just a great, great opportunity. I mean, your coaching career, you went to hospital, when you coached to hospital, you start off, there were three and 12. Uh, they were not a very good team. By the time you were done, they were ranked seventh in the country. Now, how do you turn a program around like that? Uh, obviously, in any organization, right? So a, a, a tireless work ethic is critical and the right people. So the right people to develop the talent and the right people to get the talent. So, you know, at Hofstra, there were so many people that, that uh, along the way uh, jumped on and, and even drove the boat at times, you know, as we progressed to a national, you know, a, a real national competitor. You know, Long Island, I mean, as you know, being from Long Island, Long Island has 110 schools that have wrestling, uh, you know, and has wrestling. In, 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 and with 110 schools with wrestling, you produce some really good talent. So the key uh, there was making sure that we could keep the best home from Long Island and then also cherry pick along the Northeast with New Jersey and Pennsylvania, you know, nearby things started to, to really happen for us. You know, I, I think the other thing, Adam, that was big for us was that, you know, we had an athletic director in Harry Royal that he told me when I got the job, we only had three scholarships when I got there, but he told me if you guys continue to do well, that we will progress the support needed to really be competitive because you, you just can't win if the guy above you is not hungry to do well also. So, uh, you know, president Rabinowitz, president Short and the AD, you know, they really committed to the sport, which was, you know, I, I, you know, which was, which was a blessing. You know, I think one of the biggest things that, that, that happened there in my time there, we went from three scholarships to the year that I left Hofstra to 9.9. And, uh, you know, that was probably one of the things I was most proud of was that as a collective group, we were able to take uh, a sport at Hofstra from three scholarships to 9.9, which opened the doors for a lot of young people. Uh, from a scholarship standpoint, so yeah. I mean, now, now, some, now, a lot of the guys you had on your team ended up, go, you know, becoming UFC uh, stars, like uh, Phil Baroni, right? He was, he was a guy yeah. you coach. Now, by the way, Phil said he's uh, now. Phil said you you kicked him off the team or something. He said he said he actually wants to wrestle you uh, if you ever see him. <laughs> he told me to tell you. Phil? He, yeah, Phil said he wants a wrestling match you versus him. Just 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 for the record. Uh, I I I. I um, it depends how long the match is. If the match is more than four minutes, I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> if it's, uh, he's my boy. Phil's a great, you know, Phil, Phil was, uh, you know, obviously, uh, a really good wrestler. I don't, I think he was a really good fighter too. Um, obviously massive people boy. And, um, so the longer the match, even despite the fact that I'm 46, the better the opportunity for me to do well against Phil. Okay, all right, I will relay that <laughs> message. But uh, you also had uh, had uh, Jay Haran, right? Jay Hieronymus was one. He was one of your guys. Yep. 
But didn't he get thrown off a team for like yeah. for like selling weed or something or something happened with Jay Heron? Uh, he did not. He did not. So 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 he did not get thrown off the team for selling weed. Uh, there was a policy in place that uh, with the school that he broke, unfortunately. But uh, you know, Hieronymus was another. You know, Phil was a great talent, and Hieronymus. You know, obviously at that time in my career, I did not think that how that went down was fair. But uh, what happened happened, and uh, he was a. Um, you know, obviously went into fighting, uh, you know, as did Phil and, and a couple other guys I've coached along the way too, but not, none, none with the success that uh, Wyman's had. I think Lance Palmer's having some success, Yeah, but I knew early on. I mean, when I, we, when we got Chris White, when I first wrestled him, I knew that he was, uh, he was an elite athlete. I mean, what now, now Chris always says that he didn't try that hard in wrestling. And I was like, you didn't try that he hard, and you, and you and you took fourth in the and you were an all American, like third in the country. How does a guy not try that hard and take third in the country? Well, I think he's probably sharing his perspective now compared to then. So, by most standards, I would say that uh, he did try hard. But you know, when you compare it to the way he's training now, he's probably uh, looking at it and saying, you know what? Well, from compared to what I do now, it's what I did back then. It's not even close. And I would agree with that. I would think the the Achilles heel for Weidman uh, was his um, was his overall uh, professionalism about improvement, and uh, you know he was fifth and third at the NCAA's with a good work ethic, but not a professional elite work ethic. And I knew as he started to progress in the MMA world that if he if he really committed to his overall fitness level and his, and his, and his, uh, his ability to learn the guy, the sky's the limit because he has speed. He has quickness. His hands are enormous. He has great strength. He has great speed. Uh, he's very athletic. So he has all the intangibles, but what you need with it is this deep, deep passion to be great. And he clearly, he clearly has that now. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about guys going over to the MMA? Are you, are you for it or against it? I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I guess for it or against it is probably, I'm, I'm, um, I'm certainly not against it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's an opportunity for people to earn a living, support their family. It's a competitive sport. Um, I think early on it was a little rough with some things you could do. I think they toned it down a lot. You know, even the American public and worldwide public that loves, that loves a stiff competition. I think, the headbutting and, and some of the things that were allowed, the eye gap, I mean, they took that out. Right. And it's a, it's the reality is that whether I like it or not, the trains left the station and it's a, it's a huge hit. And I think it's brought some light to the artistry and the toughness and the, and the skill level of wrestlers. No, and that's absolutely like I coach, I've been coaching a middle school team out here for the last 10 years. I started a middle school program and I had a high school program over in Brentwood, California at Paul Revere. And I've noticed since MMA, you have so many more kids that want to do it. Uh, and the kind of thing where, like, the first day I'd be like, listen, guys, you know, some of the guys that, you know, John Jones was, a, you know, Frankie Edgar and this guy was. A, and then just, the you know, the, the eyes go up because they all know these people. Uh, even even with girls. When Ronda Rousey, I get girls that want to be the next Ronda Rousey. So I think it's great for the sport. Um, it is hard. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, it is hard sometimes when you see an elite wrestler like Matt Hamill. I remember when I wrestled for Binghamton, I wrestled for Mark Gumbel. I remember going to my first tournament sure. and seeing Matt Hamill come in 
And Matt Hamill was such a great wrestler. And seeing him now still fighting, getting knocked out in 30 seconds is hard to watch because you see how good of a wrestler they were back in the day. That's the only part where I'm like, when guys do it too long and they're getting knocked out, that's where it's hard to watch. I mean, knowing when to say enough's enough is a big boy conversation that every man has to have at some point in time in their life when it comes to competing. And sometimes it's hard to let go, but there's no question. I think you know, when I was a kid growing up, it was Hulk Hogan. I mean, literally people got involved in wrestling. They thought that wrestling was what they saw on TV. Yeah. And whatever human being sees on TV becomes, becomes real life. Um, and as a kid growing up for me, it was professional wrestling. As people saw, there was no MMA. And now the reality is any human be- any kid growing up, you're going to see MMA on TV. And, um, and that's, and that's, you hear wrestling and you hear the self-defense side of it. And, um, you know, I think, I think overall, overall, it's really good for the sport. Now, I always see some of your guys in the NCAA finals now for OSU, for Ohio State. Uh, and you, you never coach in the fight. You're always in like the back while your guys wrestling in the finals. Why is that? Well, you know, now and then I'll, I'll sit in the, in the, in the chair, you know, the NCAA only allows two coaches in the corner. You know, and, and I think the thing for me is, is what's critical for me is that this isn't the Tom Ryan show. You know, this is about Ohio State. It's about student athletes. That uh, It's about a staff of people. It's about an army of people that it takes to, 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 to create an environment for someone to excel at the level that we want them to excel at. To be elite, it takes an army. And, you know, it's a chance for my coaches to get some recognition. You know, the head coach always gets recognition. And the reality is there's a lot more people that go into helping these guys achieve uh, than me. So, you know, again, now and then I'll sit in the corner. You know, we, we're trying to pass an NCAA rule this year that will allow three coaches in the corner rather than two. Um, so, you know, but the bottom line for me is, is, is that I, you know, you, you have to, you have to model the way, you know, you've got to be an example. And I think an example in, in humility is that whether it's on national TV or not, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of people on my staff that, that are tremendous. Jeff, Jeff Jaggers, Jay, Jay Jagger is a great coach. Lou Roselli is a great coach. Ross Thatcher. Yeah, but you're the head you know, coach. Travel, though. Legno. Yeah. I mean, What's that? but you're the head coach. Are you, are you, are you worried that you're going to scream too loud and that it's going to mess up your wrestlers? No, no, I'm not worried about screaming too loud at all. Uh, no, not at all. Oh, that, that, uh, that, just, I just want to make sure. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought you were doing. I, I figured, oh, maybe he's worried that he's going to flip out too much and that it's just going to, you know, you're going to make the wrestler nervous or something. So you have to go in the back. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's not it. But that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I definitely have it in me to be emotional. Right. Uh, so now, now normally we co-host with Bubba Jenkins who beat your, your guy eight times. Uh, how come you guys couldn't get past yeah. Bubba? Bubba was just, Bubba was a heck of a talent, man. Bubba was a great wrestler. Uh, um, I mean, I won't, I don't, I don't think anybody, anybody will forget the match with he and David Taylor. Yeah, that was the best. Uh, you know, obviously Bubba was at Penn state left and went to Arizona state that match at one forty nine, where David ended up getting cradled there in the finals. Um, but, uh, you know, Bubba, Bubba got us a few times. So, yeah. Good for Bubba. He's a, he was he was a tough competitor. <laughs> now your now your your guy now uh, Kyle Snyder, uh, who just beat. Yeah. He's just now he's the world champion. He beat the world champion. He, he also beat a heavyweight that was on an eighty eight match winning streak. 
Uh, is this kid the best, one of the best heavyweights you've ever coached, or the best? I would say that, I mean, well, certainly the best heavyweight I've ever coached. I think that when you're talking Kyle Snyder, you're talking about someone who thinks at another level. Uh, this is a guy who was a very young age, you know, made a pledge that he would, you know, make multiple Olympic teams. Uh, this is a guy that dreamed about winning an Olympic gold medal at a very young age. This is a guy that understands hard work. He understands character and decision-making. He understands reducing distractions in one's life. He understands hard work. He understands all the principles, all the non-negotiables uh, in going from good to great. And uh, it won't surprise me if when he's done, uh, he is in the conversation with every, uh, every superstar that's ever taken to the mat as one of the best ever. Um, and we're fortunate he's a Buckeye. He's a great, great leader. He's got 3.85. I mean, this guy just does things the right way. Now, do you, do you go against him in practice? I mean, I'll help teach him. But, you know, when you're, you know I'll, I'll help teach him and challenge him and, and you know, help him, help him grow as a leader. Uh, you know, but right now, Kyle Snyder, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's like a massive boat. And all you've got to do is kind of, you know, you, steer, you barely push it left or right. This guy knows what he wants. He's extremely mature, and, uh, you know, there are some great things to come. And, you know, God willing, he'll be healthy come Olympic time. On August 21, he competes, and he'll win his first gold medal. But a guy like that, who is, who's in the room with him to get him better? It seems like that guy's the best guy in the room, well, correct? Well, well, he's not. He's not, you know, and that's the good thing. And that's what, that's what separates Kyle from so many. So many want to go into an environment where they're the king. And, 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 and sliding into an environment where you're the king is probably the worst decision that somebody can make. Uh, you want to go into an environment where you're not the king and you're humble and, and on a daily basis you're challenged. And when Kyle was coming out of high school, we ran a clinic at Ohio State and he worked out there. And he worked out with five different people that were Olympic hopefuls that were training at our Olympic training center. And he knew then that Ohio State was the place he should train at because he struggled and, and he knew that he knew that he had to struggle for there to be the gains that needed to be made for him to get on Olympic team in, uh, in, uh, 2016. So as a junior in high school, he committed to Ohio state and in the room now that the Olympic, uh, the Olympian at heavyweight is in our room training. His name's Travell Delegnath. He was the Olympian in 2012. He's the Olympian in 2016. He weighs 265 pounds. He moves like a cat. And he really challenges Kyle Snyder. And the two of them kind of lift each other up. And there's a bunch of other guys as well. I mean, Miles Martin just won the Nationals as a true freshman at 174. That doesn't happen unless a human being is in the right environment. And we have that environment. Wow. Now, you're doing a, you're, you're doing a great job. Now, i got to ask you, your match against Pat Smith. Pat Smith was a four-time now champion, <laughs> right? Yes, he was. And you lost to him five to four. And I was not. Okay, you lost to him five to <laughs> seven, four. Seven six. Seven six. Seven six. Seven six. Now, how much did that eat you alive? Well, at the time, it was you know at the time. Look, I mean, I think we all we, there's all perspective in life. At the time, you know, the word devastating is a word at the time that I would use in that, you know, in that situation. You know, you put your entire life into into winning a national championship. Uh, you work day and night to attain that and you don't attain it and you lose in the last 25 seconds. It's a devastating experience as you age and get older. Now I'm not 21 anymore. I'm 46. 
I see things around me. You look at life a different way. Devastating is not a word I would use for losing in the national championship match. You know, devastating is what I experienced when I lost my five-year-old son. Devastating is what, you know, people experience, you know, when they, when they, they have heartache that is out of their control, that brings them to their knees, that, that, ha- that, that's, that, that completely brings them to a level of heartache and pain that's hard to, hard to imagine. Uh, at the time, though, for me, it was extremely painful. Right. No, I mean, I'm sorry about what happened with your son, and and uh, you're a you're a legend, Tom. You actually you you were one of the first real people to ever believe in me. So uh, even though I didn't, well, you believed in you first. Well, yeah, I believed in me too. But right, you yeah. kept coming. You, you you were willing to get picked up in the morning early and come. You know, you were pursuing something, and I think you know people that pursue they find ways to put themselves around the right people. People that stand by and kind of hope for the for the ship to come in, it, it never comes. So, you know, you were one of those guys that, that pursued, and so hats off to you. Well, if it wasn't for wrestling, I would never would have became a comedian and never would have done this, never that. I owe, I owe everything, and anything that ever happens to me positive in my life, I owe to the sport of wrestling for making me, to keep me going. And it's guys like you that, that like, are just pushing all these people and impacting so many people in such a positive way. So, uh, so thank you, Tom. For doing, I appreciate that. Uh, Tom, thank you for doing what you do, man. Now, Gian Volante, what happened with him? <clears throat> Volante, I love Volante. Oh, my gosh. MacArthur High School, a 220-pounder, super athletic. I mean, the re- you know, the reality with Volante is that when you move like he moves and you're that big and strong and athletic, Sometimes you choose football over wrestling. He's yeah. a great football player. He was a starting linebacker at, at, at Hofstra. So, you know, I think that it had, had, he, had, he, had he inserted himself completely into wrestling, who knows what would have happened. I mean, the sky was the limit for him. Yeah, he's still, um, he's still a know, great fighter. I, I think there was... He's, he's, he's I know he's a great... No, for yeah. sure. He's a stud. I mean, the yeah. guy was, a, he was an animal in high school as a wrestler. He's a great football He's a great athlete. But, you know, I think regardless of who we're talking about, right, regardless of what athlete we're talking about, there are three components that you've got to have in place. Without the three, eventually your sustained success will, will, will falter. Sustained, sustained success is about three. There's, a, there's three pieces to it in my assessment. And the first assessment, the first piece of prolonged success, not being good for one year, two years, three years, five years, being good for 50 years. You know, being elite at 50 years, it takes a work ethic that is, that is unwavering and nothing's going to get in your way. No matter how hard it is, no matter how tough it is, an unwavering, deep, hungry, sick, sick-like work ethic. The second thing is, is talent. You need, you need some gifts. And the third piece, I think, gets people more than any other piece is the character piece, the ability to reduce distractions, the ability to make decisions that need to be made, not because they feel good at the moment, to run from the things that feel good at the moment and, 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 and make decisions that will allow you to continue uh, on, on a trajectory uh, to be successful over a long period of time. And most humans get tripped up on the character piece. And you see that in business, you see that in sport. And, uh, you know, the ones around me that I, I feel comfortable and be great for long haul, the Kyle Snyders, the Nate Tomasellos, the Miles Martins, the Logan Stevers. I mean, these guys have an innate, ability to just run to run from things that is easy that the world that that, that that the world wants you to fall in love with yeah so. like drugs and this and that and parties and 
What's that? Like like crazy women and drugs and parties, like stuff like that. You're of course, about? the love of money, the love of you, you know, just just the love of things that uh, you know can pull us uh, and allow us to make some bad decisions. So, now, um, have, you know, right now, well, yeah. Now, have any MMA people Sorry, have, 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 have any MMA people uh, asked you to help train them in wrestling? You know what? They 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 haven't. Um, they haven't. Uh, you know, there were actually, there were some opportunities to do some, some stuff out there, just teach some wrestling, but you know, that's not something I've ever, uh, moved toward, you know, my, you know, I think one thing I've learned is, is master something, you know, master something in my, in my, in my wheelhouse is, is college wrestling and, and, and running a program. And I really stayed you know, it's easy for me to, to, to get distracted and, 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 you know, move in a number of different ways. My team has always been along with my family, the focus of my life. And as long as I'm in the sport, uh, that's where it'll stay. Gotcha. So who wins the rematch Cormier or John Jones? I'm going to go, I'm going to go Cormier. Uh, I think the last time I felt when they fought, whoever made weight better, would win. I mean, nutrition and hydration and, and self-discipline in a fight in fights that long, you know, you know, we're, I'm kind of psychotic with where I'm training people to make sure that they're at the weight for an extended period of time. They're training at the weight they're going to fight at. I think that's critical. Um, so the first time I thought whoever made weight uh, better would, would win. And, and I, you know, I, I, I think highly of John Jones. I know he struggled with some things, uh, and and if, if if he has these things in place, I mean, he is a unique fighter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Tom, it was an honor to have you on. Thank you so much, man. Uh, thank you for all that you've my done. My pleasure. Thanks for, for me and the sport. Thanks a lot, Tom. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Take care. What a guy, man. That's the... That's a guy you could talk to uh, probably for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, uh, it was like when we had um, Anna Maria on, Doctor Anna Maria, yeah. Rana's mom. She's just God. You could listen. You could talk to her for hours. So much experience and so much wisdom. Um, and man, it gets like I want to go wrestle right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's so right with the, with, the, with with those three things, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, just I mean, he's so right. I mean, just uh, the work ethic is just so important. A little bit of talent that's very important. And distractions, not being distracted, you know, yeah. like those, it's so basic, but it's just hard to actually do that. But, but I, I think that's a perfect, uh, kind of metaphor for wrestling as a sport. It is, uh, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's basic, but the thing that I, so I like a lot of, uh, to the listeners out there, I wrestled through high school, uh, kind of went after the team at, at, in college, didn't end up, uh, wrestling through college, but uh, did intramurals and stuff like that, but I, I, I too, I feel like the, the sport of wrestling really shaped me, informed me, and helped me uh, get on like a good focus path and stuff like that. You learn so much, but it's it's a sport where like I'm not a big guy, so there's certain sports where like you know football, you got to be a big guy, or, or basketball, you got to be tall. But like you, in wrestling, is the kind of sport where I always thought you could be as good as as hard as you want to work. Absolutely, that's what it comes down to. Comedy is, is very similar too, though. So yeah, that that work ethic is huge. And there's certain talent, you know, there's, you know, it maybe it helps to be stronger, naturally faster, or, you know, a little bit taller or whatever, but like, there's always ways around it. I mean, yeah, um, it'd be a good problem solver. And, but, but the sport of wrestling and, and why it's so functional is that it's been, it's the oldest sport. It's been around forever. So, 
um, anything that doesn't work has been stripped away. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I don't want to. I don't know. I've seen. I was watching the NCAA finals this year, and they, they were doing. People were doing some stuff that um that I, I had to watch it again and again and again. I'm like, wow, that, I've never seen. There is some new stuff coming in that I haven't. Like flashier moves and stuff like that. Flashier moves, more uh, like cradle type, like like more Grammy type moves, more like. Hey, I use a Grammy roll. Uh, yeah, it's but very but effective. I'm telling you, I watched the finals and I was like, whoa, a lot of funk. Yeah. That you don't really don't see like the kind of like what Ben Askren was doing. He's ahead of his time. Yeah. Anyway, we have one more interview with this girl, Hadley Griffith. She, uh, I met her at the Invicta fights. She fought. Um, she she fought in kick. She was eight and four as an amateur as a kickboxer. Uh, she fought uh, Gilbert Melendez's wife. Um, yeah, we're gonna go with that. We went over that last Monday. We'll go over again. Uh, and she um, she's a sweetheart, but uh, she loves the podcast. She said that she could relate to me as far as a lot of things. And uh, I'm looking forward to having her on the show. Relentless. Hello. Hello. Is this Relentless Hadley Griffith? <laughs> yes, it is. You're on the MA Roasted Podcast. Sorry, we're a little late. We had Tom Ryan on finally. Uh, and we also had uh, Don Fry. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. So I sat behind you uh, at Invicta. And uh, I was like, who's this girl? And you were a very, very pretty girl. Uh, very, you were fun to sit behind. And then you hit me up and you were like, listen, I liked your, I liked your, your podcast. I could, I could identify with you. And then I've, I've been watching some of your stuff. What's going on with you? Not a whole lot. Just uh, finally getting back into training. And yeah, I've been a huge fan of you for years. and I've been listening to the podcast during the horrific traffic oh, to nice. and from work every day. Nice. Now, now, what do you do for a job? I work at a warehouse. Um, basically, any polarized lenses and sunglasses like Oakley's, Ray-Bans, all of that, we supply all the lenses for. Look at you. Wow, you're like a real-life Rocky. Uh, so you, you're, working at a, <laughs> you're working at a warehouse, and you live in Colorado, right? Yes, I do. And what, what, what gym do you train out of? I train at 303 Training Center. And, and is there any, any, big, any big fighters out of that? J.J. Aldrich. JJ Aldrich, uh, she's in Invicta. Yes. She, she, she just called out. I actually looked at her on Twitter. She was very upset that Paige Van Zant is in the new kickboxer. Uh, so she tweeted that out uh, that, that she should get someone who actually knows kickboxing and not Paige Van Zant. So she was like, kind of a hater there. But uh, okay. So JJ Aldrich, wait, JJ Aldrich, the guy, right? No, JJ Aldrich, the girl on the, the, the Ultimate Fighter this season. Yes, yes, yes. And she's an Invicta, yes. right? Wasn't she an Invicta fighter? She's, two, she's like two and one. Yes. Same yes, girl. she's an Invicta fighter. Nice. So she's your training partner. Yes, I've got some really the bruises I posted on Instagram the other day. Those are from her. Yes, I saw those. Those look very like you're okay. And then, uh, so you're you're from you grew up in Colorado? No, I grew up. I lived in Washington um, from age seven till thirty five, and then I moved here to Colorado. What part of Washington? Tacoma mainly. Is that near you, Tyler? Uh, that's close. I grew up in Portland, but, uh, uh, didn't, isn't that where Misha Takeout started and, uh, Caraway, all Caraway the, yeah, yeah. And, uh, all the, yep. Si- and Misha's the reason I do MMA. And why is that? She texted me up one day. I'd been doing Muay Thai for a couple of years and she'd seen me at a fight card and she, my phone rings one day and it's like, Hey, I don't know if you know me, but my name's Misha Tate and I'm trying not to drop the phone. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. How'd you get my number? Oh my God. She suggested that if I ever wanted to try MMA, to hit her up, ask her any questions I wanted, any help I needed, just let her know, and 
she's what got me started into MMA. So then you went to her, her, uh, her gym? No, actually, by this time, she had just moved out of Washington. Um, she'd come back and train a lot over in the Tri-City area, the Yakima area, where she and uh, Brian had their gym. And since I was living on the west side of the state, I just, I found a gym. Nice. Now, I think it was like 10 minutes away. So. Now, now, so you grew up in Washington. Did you play any sports as a kid? No, I'm actually a horrifically bad athlete. I am totally clumsy. I trip over my own feet. I drive all my coaches crazy. I, I love playing games. I love playing sports. I love trying, but I'm always the most improved on the team because you can't suck worse than me when you start. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I used to love those most improved. That means you don't suck as much as you used to, but you still kind of suck. Pretty much. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I got you. So then how did you get into the whole sport? My brother had been doing Muay Thai for about 10 years, and I heard on the radio in the car one day that there was going to be a Muay Thai event a couple blocks from my house in Tacoma, so I called him up and I told him to come with me so he kind of tell me what I was watching. I mean, I grew up on Chuck Norris movies and Bruce Lee movies. I mean, in Hawaii, that's all we had was all the Asian martial art movies, so I'm, I'm used to all of that stuff and love watching it. been watching the UFC for a few years before that, so we go to the Muay Thai fight, and he's all interested and excited and signs up at the at the front desk where the gym has a sign-up sheet, the gym that's putting it on. And I don't really care. I'm just there to watch some fights. And halfway through the card, there was this fighter named Jamie Shepard from the gym that was hosting the event. And he took this spinning back kick to the gut that sounded like somebody took a baseball bat to a telephone pole. Wow. And face didn't change, didn't, like, fraction of a second, started walking the guy down, didn't react at all i'm like okay i want to do that huh, wow so you went in muay thai so, now and then you became now i saw that you were as an amateur kickboxer you were eight and four so you had a pretty successful yeah. amateur kickboxing career and then you recently had a fight with gilbert melendez's wife what's what, what, what's her name carrie ann carrie ann carrie ann melendez now she's a world she a world championship kickboxer Felt like it. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she's uh, she's got cruise combos. Yeah. Now this was your first fight, though, right? It was my first professional kickboxing fight. Yes, because I, I saw you on Spike. I saw the fight, and I was like, "Man, they're they're really feeding this girl to the lions." Uh, but, yeah. But you. But I watched it again last night. You you did land some good rights. You actually land some good punches. But uh, hello. Hello, I'm still here. Yeah. Yes, you let us. I mean, how did you feel about that fight? Um, that was actually the worst fight of my career. And there was a lot of bad stuff going on behind the scenes leading up to that. What happened? That being said, even if I, well, I, I hadn't trained in a year when I got the phone call. It was five weeks out from the fight. They weren't able to find anybody else. Um, Carrie Ann's a smaller fighter than me. So they wanted me to do a catch weight at 120 and I hadn't trained in a year. I'm like, I need at least 121. I'm a 125 fighter and I walk, uh, you know, 132. At the time I was walking at about 145 pounds. And uh, the month before, like three and a half weeks before I got the phone call, I'd actually cut the top of my left middle finger off in an accident at work. Oh, God. And had to have surgery to have it reattached. So I am not the best and brightest. And I said, <laughs> sure, I'll take the fight. Why not? Jesus Christ. And immediately, <laughs> I'm not smart. I'm pretty, but I'm not smart. <laughs> so I show up at the gym. I'm like, listen, I did something stupid. Now I need some help. And. They did the best they could to get me back into shape, but I couldn't do any sparring. I couldn't hit. I couldn't, I couldn't even put gloves on because I just had the surgery and they weren't sure that it was going to take and that my finger was going to stay attached. So 
it was basically on the treadmill for four weeks and then one week of training and worst weight cut I've ever had. It was hard. Um, I wasn't allowed to bring my coaches because the person who got the fight from me was my former coach in Washington and he didn't want them to come because he felt like, well, I would be uncomfortable because I don't know him. So I had nobody there that had been training with me. Hmm. Um, he disappeared as soon as we got to California because he's a huge fan of Tito's and, and MMA fighters in general. So he went to the fan fest instead of the weigh-ins and <laughs> oh god just, it, it was a night the funniest thing i think was uh i'm not sure who it was is either liam mcgarry or phil davis after my fight they're like holy crap that guy was your coach i had i signed a bunch of stuff for him i thought he was one of the fanboys <laughs> was his name cb gold was that was that no, the, no, uh, oh, oh okay i no. spent more time with cb that weekend than my coach oh <laughs> jesus christ no no but i feel like all your fight like you're even the first fight you won i watched your post-fight interview you're like, yeah, you know, I, I got into an accident. I couldn't do any cardio. My, my leg fell off. Uh, like, do any of your fights, are, are, I have, are, are any of them have good camps or anything? Or No? Um, yeah, actually, quite a few of them do. I, I'm Irish, so if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Right. Um, but the fight with Carrie was definitely the hardest. It was definitely the worst. And the thing is, even if I had been training, even if everything had gone well, even if I had been closer in weight and the weight cut wasn't hard, even if I had my coaches there, she's so good. Honest to God, I don't think I would have won that fight, but it would have been a very different looking fight. It would have been two sided instead of I'm a punching bag for three rounds. Right. Right. Well, you know what? Listen, you got to learn. Sometimes you have to learn by failure. And then, you know, every set that I've gotten better at, it's because I bombed and then I learned what could I have done better. <laughs> um, and, and I do uh, like the fact that like you, you hit me up and you're like, listen, I have OCD as well. Uh, you talked about your OCD, and I, that really meant a lot to me. I don't know if I'm going to tell everyone that you have OCD, but that really actually, uh, like, that was, I felt like we really connected on that. So thank you for, for sharing your struggles no, but, with me. Thank you. I, it's nice to know I'm not the only one out there, especially in a sport like this. It can be hard. I mean, there's times I'll bring three or four shirts to the gym because after each class, I'm, I can't wear a sweaty shirt. I can't roll with somebody with a sweaty shirt on. I'm like, sorry, I stayed here. Let's switch. <laughs> No, okay. I mean, those are some of your things. You you like wear too many shirts. What are, what are some of your other tics? Um, I, I've gotten a lot of it under control, but you know, some days are worse the other than others. If I'm at work and I'm having one of my off days, I have to rearrange all the boxes so that they're all facing the same direction. Where everybody else just kind of throws boxes on the shelf or throws it into a packing box. Everything's facing the right way. Everything's facing the exact same way, and it makes me a harder worker because I I still have to get good numbers, good times on the work that I'm doing, but to take extra time to organize oh. everything. I used to work the stock hard. room at Banana Republic and I had to, had to put the sensos in where like the things that you take, you put into that you can't. And, yeah. and for some reason I was convinced that I, that I stuck myself with the senso and I'm like, well, what if I have AIDS and then someone else sticks with themselves and they're going to get AIDS. So I threw away all the, all the sensos and they were like, what happened to your son? Like, so I know it could be really tough at work. Like you should start like, imagining these ridiculous scenarios in your head and it was uh yeah that was that was really hard so i can i can identify with you we definitely will never date uh because it was <laughs> it would be a nine hour now do you have a boyfriend or I, I do not what's funny is um what started me cluing into you sitting behind me was i turned around i saw you and i almost dropped my water bottle i'm like <gasps> slap my friend i'm like see that's the kind of guy i think is hot so that that's that's what they look like when I think they're hot. They look like him. Aww, I'm aww. eavesdropping. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was eavesdropping and produced a girlfriend. I'm like, eh, okay. 
Uh, oh, thanks. I, well, you know, of course. Of course I find this out now that I have a girlfriend. This, is, this never happens, Tyler, when I'm single. These hot fighter chicks that... You know, first it was the Chinese uh, professional pole dancer. Yeah, now, now it's the hot fighters. fighter chick. <laughs> you, you can't win. It's ridiculous. Now, um, now we now listen. Now your record, your record is one and four. We got it. We got it. We got to fucking get this up, okay? Uh, yes. What do we got to do? Because you're obviously a talented fighter. You're a good striker. What belt are you in jujitsu? Uh, I just moved down to Colorado with a white belt. I've worn a gi twice. I hadn't really ever trained on the ground. That's why I moved to Colorado. I training. Um, I was at a kickboxing gym. Okay. So okay, so we're gonna fight. To okay, so we're gonna fight strikers from now on. All right. Uh, <laughs> the strikers <laughs> won't fight me. The strikers they won't, won't fight me. I try. Mm. How's your How's your wrestling? Yeah. Getting better. It's getting, okay. All right. <laughs> getting better. Okay. So wrestling's getting better. Do we have a good wrestling coach? Uh, there is a great wrestler at three hundred three. His name is Zach. Zach what? Chavez. Zach Chavez. Is he a pro fighter? He is a fighter. I don't know if he's pro. Okay, so we got Zach Chavez helping me with wrestling. Who's who's your who's your jits coach? Professor Tony Basile. He you've probably seen him cornering Rose Namajunas on her UFC fight. Yes. Okay, so we're getting better on the ground. Okay, and and yes. then, and then we have good strikers in the gym. Very good strikers. Uh, the girls, it's the first time in years that I've actually had people back me up in sparring, and it's, it's been great. Okay, all right. So, we're, so we fight at what, 120, uh, 125? That's, that's our, our, our weight 125. Class? 125. Okay, now, do we have any fights lined up, or are we looking I, for a fight? I don't. I'm going to wait uh, probably till the fall. I want to get you in. The fall. Okay. I am still here. Okay, so the, so the, the fall. fall. All right, so Relentless. Yep. Okay, we're going to have Relentless <laughs> is going to fight in the fall, hopefully against a striker, and we want to do like a small promotion in in, uh, in Colorado Springs? Uh, there's a one that's up here in Denver they do. Uh, we got the Spartan Combat League up here. Right. Uh, now, so. do, you, do you know Connor Hewn? I do not. All right, Connor Hewn was my old wrestling coach. We used to coach together. He's a black belt under Eddie Bravo. He trains over in Colorado Springs. He 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 uh, trains wrestling. He moved from LA to uh, he fought KJ Nunes. He fought George Grigel. He fought Ryan Couture. He lost to all those guys, but he fought him. Uh, he, but he's actually he's a good fighter. He's a great fighter. I thought he actually beat uh, a couple of those. I thought he beat KJ definitely. And the the Gorgel fought fight was very very close. Look up Connor Hewn. Because he tra- he, he's a wrestling coach over in Colorado Springs. He will get you much better at wrestling. So, Connor Hewn. That would be awesome. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, he's, he's, like, he's a really good friend of mine. He was, he's one of my best friends, actually. So, I'm, I'm going to, after this, I'm going to text Connor. I'm going to put you guys together. Don't sleep with him. I, th- I think he's married. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but we are going to. Are... I, don't, I don't mess around with people at the gym, so we're good. Oh, good. Good, good. All right, cool. Now, uh, all right. So, listen. Uh, where can people find you? They can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Flying Darce and Facebook Relentless Hadley Griffith. Okay, cool. By the way, your Instagram has four posts. You're the worst. <laughs> you are the worst, and you are you are you are less than a white belt at Instagram. You're you really. This is this. It's actually worse than your ground game. Is your Instagram? So we have to. <laughs> 
We have to pick that up. Tyler, anything? Oh, I was going to say, I'm guessing we can probably also find her at the laundromat if she's wearing four shirts per workout. <laughs> probably doing a lot of laundry. Nice. So, Adam will tell you, we cannot use public washing machines. We can't. <laughs> well, no. no, absolutely no, not. No public no. washer dryers. Absolutely not. Yes, it's true. Well, listen, it was a pleasure having you on the show, Hadley. Uh, you're a beautiful lady. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. What's up, Tyler? Sweetheart, huh? Yeah, she seems like a nice girl. I hope she has a good, healthy training camp for her next fight. I I do too. It sounds like she's had some stumbling blocks in that uh, department, taking short notice fights and fighting with, like, injuries and stuff like that. That's not a recipe for success. No, she also needs a real wrestling coach. I mean, yeah. having a good wrestler at your gym is not exactly... I mean, come on. You gotta, you, you gotta have a good wrestling coach. This is, uh, why, this is why fighters need a tip of fighter. They need to have the ability to get a good uh, team, around, team them. around them and not have to work full-time jobs because this, this day and age, you can't I mean, you, if you come in with a strong discipline, she's obviously Muay Thai is her strength. If you come in with a strong discipline, you might win a few fights, but you're not going to go far unless you have wrestling, jujitsu, Muay Thai, boxing. You got to have. That's what Tom Ryan was saying. He learned from Gable. You got to surround yourself with the right people. You got to have it all. This, you know, this girl. She's she's she is pretty hot. She actually is. She's really hot. She's a beautiful girl. Uh, I mean, you know, my girlfriend's prettier, but because uh, she, she might be listening to this, maybe uh, she could do a calendar no, with Don Fry. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> no, she is. She's really pretty, uh, and and sweet as hell. Uh, I was sitting with this guy Garote. Uh, he, we were at the fights together, and he, he this guy Jerry, he's a super cool guy, and, uh, and we, she was she was cool, and we were having a good time. Uh, but yeah, the fights this weekend. So Sunday night, uh, we have Cody No Love is taking on uh, Tomas Almeida. That fight has fireworks all over yeah. it, man. Uh, I really hope Cody wins because I'm thinking about driving back to Vegas and I want to go to his after party. And after parties when a guy loses, they're never fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a big fight on the card. The Sarah McMahon, Jessica, I, ooh, I hope they both win. That fight I can't call. Sarah McMahon is fucking jacked. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough call. Um, I don't know. I think I'd go with I maybe uh, in that fight, but. I but wrestling, I mean, I mean, wrestling, uh, you know, Sarah has the wrestling advantage. And then, like, you know, Jessica's a striker. That's yeah. the only thing. But on the feet, absolutely, Jessica's got the advantage on the feet. It's just a matter of can she keep it on the feet. Uh, jiu-jitsu-wise, I think Sarah's got the advantage, although Jessica's got good jiu-jitsu as well. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, can she keep it on the feet. Yeah. If it, so if, it's, if it stays on the feet, Jessica wins. Uh, if it goes on the ground, Sarah I think. I mean, I've been wrong plenty of times. Who else is on the card? Uh, we got uh, Hen and Barrow, Jeremy Stevens. Ooh, yeah, we talked about this on Monday. But Did I, you run down these already? Yeah, we went oh, the, okay. whole, the whole card. I, I got all excited last night. I was going through my picks. And Any, anything, anything you want to do? You just, let's run through your, your Tyler's picks real quick. Um, uh, at the top of the card, I'm I'm gonna take uh, Cody, man. I uh, I know Almeida's 21 and, and 0, which is crazy in this sport. Uh, but but uh. Cody, I think, is just, he's looking like a crusher, man. And if he can land, um, I think he puts him out. I mean, I think the, fight, the fight's going to be crazy. Uh, next on the card, Hennem Barrow. Um, you know, I, he hasn't looked great in the last uh, couple, but, like, I think people are forgetting that he went on, like, a 33-0 and streak for, like, forever. Beating a lot of good guys. Uh, I know Jeremy Stevens is a tough dude. So um, you're picking Barrow. 
Uh, I got Burrell. Um, I, I got Stevens. I, th- I, th- I think it's. I think is mentally he's not the same fighter. Safanine story. Um, that's I think the best bet there is that it's going to go to a decision because both those guys are uh, big decision winners uh, or fighters. Um, I like Rick Story. I think he's just a tough, grindy kind of dude. I think he gets it done. Okay. Um, Kamozi Miranda. I'm going to go with Miranda, man. Um, I, I have a hard time. I mean, Kamozi went on like a five fight skit at one point, and I know he's fought a lot of tough dudes, but damn, like that's. You know, and, I, and he came off of, like, but his last fight, like, who'd he beat? Joe Riggs? He knocked him out quickly. Yeah, but, but Joe Riggs, Riggs was already, like, looks like a ghost. Yeah, he was falling down on the way to the octagon. Um, I like Miranda, and he's, what, on three KOs in a row? Yeah. So it's kind of hard. I mean, I can see him putting Kamozi's lights out. Um, I really like uh, Masvidal Larkin. That's going to be, I think, a great fight. I'm going to go. Night. I'm, uh, I'm calling it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got Jorge in this fight, man. I think he's. Yeah, me too. He's good. I think he, he's got to keep it standing. He's had trouble with strong wrestlers. Um, I don't. I don't. Can't really. Larkin's think of, not a wrestler. No, I, I was trying to think of Lorenz's ability on the ground, but I, Jorge's. Uh, he's a handful for anyone, man. I think he takes it. Yes. Uh, is the fight at 170, though? Uh, uh, yeah, one seventy. No, Lorenz. I think Hart has a fifty. See, this is that's the one thing that got me is Lorenz is coming down and uh, Masvidal's yeah. going up. Yeah, I think at one seventy, Larkin's too big. Yeah, go on. He's a handful. Um, Berkman Felder. I like Felder. Felder. Um, yeah, he's just he's his record. I don't think speaks for how good he is. Oh yeah, uh, he he had that that crazy fight of the night with um. Uh, the British guy, uh, or Brazilian, the Brazilian, like the Brazilian guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he looks like the kid who peed himself on American pie. Felder. Yeah. He (laughs) he looks like, what's that? What's that kid's name? Who Uh, peed himself? Brian, you know, the Shermanator. The Shermanator. Yeah. He looks like the Shermanator. (laughs) Yeah. If the Shermanator was jacked. Yes. Um, no, I just, I think, like I said, I think Felder's better than his, I mean, he's 11 and two, which is not bad, but the two fights he lost, I think were, uh, Anyway, uh, I like Felder there. I already said I. Uh, then uh, going down. Uh, All right, those are Tyler's picks. Yeah. Any, well, anybody else? Uh, no, I'm just saying there's a couple fights in there. Right, I'm really not too familiar with the guys. Eric Koch, uh, he's coming off like almost two years off. Yeah, but he's good. He's out of Rupa Sport. Yeah, I think he gets the win Who's against Shane Campbell. Oh, Shane Campbell from Canada. Campbell's coming on the podcast next week. Uh. Sterling Caraway is a tough call. That man. one is the fight that I, you know, I like both these guys as human beings. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like Caraway. Uh, in, in this fight, though, who do I, I don't know. I, I, I call it a draw. I mean, you got to go experience versus talent. You yeah. got to go, Aljamain's a more talented fighter. Uh, he's the more just natural abilities. But Caraway has seen. Yeah this before he's been around forever yeah and he's only lost to the elite of the elite if you look at the guys he's lost to he's only lost to the top guys and he's always put up a fight i mean the the dotson fight he got knocked out and i mean you could say that but but he's i don't know this is a tough one i know that i i always kind of fall back on strength of resume and like who guys have uh uh fought um i think caraway obviously has been in the cage with the stronger fighters um, but then there's also something to be said for the confidence and the, uh, the, young the momentum that you have coming in. Like, yeah, Sterling coming, he's like 12-0. and 0 and, Yeah. Um, uh, <sighs> this, was, this one's tough. Yeah, I think it's going to be 
uh, crazy. And I think if it goes the distance and Caraway can grind it out and maybe get him on the ground, then he takes it. But if it's if it's a you know crazy banger, I think Caraway could sub him. Yeah, but, but I, I also think that Aljamain could hurt Caraway and have yeah. him on Queer Street early too. Uh, so this is gonna be a good fight. Listen, I think that's uh, our podcast. You have to go early, right? Uh, yeah, I got someone to be in a little bit. Um, anything coming up, Tyler? Um, I got, uh, I'm just staying local for the next couple of weeks. Then I'm moving up to the Northwest, uh, at the, uh, mid June. And then I got dates at the, uh, Tacoma comedy club. Um, I'm at, uh, the Spokane comedy club. Uh, I got laughs in Tucson all coming up in July, August. So, uh, it's all up on my website and I'll tweet it out and put it out on Facebook. So. Nice. Well, I want to thank our sponsor, Tipafighter. Uh, go to tipafighter.com. Fighters are underpaid, and we can make a difference. Okay, fighters, you want to get paid more? Join Tipafighter. Have the fans tip you. Uh, I I know as a comic, I love getting tips, um, and it's cool to uh, it's it's cool to actually some you know when a fighter's on Tipafighter and I give them money, I'm sure they appreciate it. And I I actually I enjoy giving them money, and I'm sure a lot of fans feel the same way. Um, now. I will be at the Dime Bar every Tuesday night in Hollywood, Tuesday at the Dime Bar, uh, and then I'm going to be at the Ice House tomorrow night, um, headlining the 10 o'clock show at the Ice House in Pasadena. Uh, next week, I'm going to be at the Laugh Factory on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. I'm doing a show with Nick the Tooth, Dana White, Matt Serra, Brian Cowan, and David Spade Hell yeah! at the Laugh Factory. Uh, I also have, I'm going to be at the Ha Ha the night before can, 199. You think I, you can get me into that show? The Laugh Factory? Like, into the show to watch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Uh, at, at the Ha Ha uh, UFC 199, I will be, uh, the night before, I will be at the Ha Ha Comedy Club, as well as um, coming up, uh, the Stratosphere in July. Hit me up for tickets. If you're going to be there for UFC 200, I'll be at the Stratosphere the whole weekend before the UFC Fight Weekend. And I have shows coming up in June in Rochester, New York at the Comedy Club, as well as the Comedy Cave in Calgary. And in July, I will be in Fresno, as well as uh, Hollister. So uh, thank you guys so much. This is our last show with Sideshow Network. Starting next week, we are doing shows out of my apartment. Uh, I built a studio, and there will still be shows twice a week out of my apartment. I think we have Frank Mir coming into my apartment next week. Uh, we're going to have it. We're going to try to do it. I'm build, I got t- video cameras. We're going to try to make sure it's on YouTube and, and do the whole thing as well as uh, do, you know, um, Periscope. And we're going to have the live fights. We're going to try to do a fight companion type show to the bare knuckle boxing. Uh, CB's giving me his flat screen and we're, uh, we're doing it. We're nice. going to have me, you and Greg and Greg Wilson's back in June. So don't worry, guys. I'm not going anywhere. A lot of guys, you guys think that like, hey, is that I'm, I'm not going anywhere as long as. You guys listen. I'll be there to speak. So uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, follow me, Adam Comedian, or at MMA Roasted. And uh, take care. Have a great, uh, have a great weekend.